What's up, friends? Welcome back to the Dark Waters. I'm your host, Josh. Uh, we'll start this thing off by wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. Uh, this will be the last episode uh, this week, so uh, taking a little break for Christmas. But uh hope everyone has a great holiday, man. Everyone deserves it. We all know this year has been kind of kind of fucked up, so, uh, you know, it, it's good. Hopefully, you can get with some family, uh, enjoy the holidays. So, uh, yeah, uh, obviously not much to talk about. We're still in the uh, the winter phase. Um, it's cold, frozen, and no fishing going on up here in the upstate New York area. Uh, but uh, make sure you guys tag me. Let me know what's going on. I know some of you guys are still out there grinding, freezing, and you know, getting your little bites here and there. So uh, let me know what's going on. I love hearing from you guys. Um not much to talk about, so you know, it's just easier to jump into these things. But uh, do me a favor, go check out some of the show supporters, uh, like Exxon Lures. Uh, they make great plastics. Huge fan of them. I've uh, been using them for two years now. Um, you can just capital D, capital W, 15, get yourself a discount. Uh, American, oh, I'm sorry, Rogue Fishing. I keep getting this company confused with another one that has another name just like it. But uh, Rogue Fishing Company, they make great linears and straps and everything to keep you from losing your shit. Uh, they also make some pretty awesome some other products. Uh, I like using their uh, their drag. They got a they got a strap that you can drag your kayak with. Uh, made life a lot easier uh, last season for me. Uh, but yeah, check them out. Uh, Dark waters get a discount. But those are the supporters so far for uh, 2021. Looking forward to working with them all. But uh, next guest uh, Adam Riser, uh, awesome angler. Been on the show a few times. Had some really good success this past season. Uh, really smart guy, knows his shit, knows his equipment, and, uh, you know, this, for right now, because all the tournaments are down, I'm trying to figure out what kind of content I want to put out, so I think for the time being, we're going to focus on, like, techniques and equipment that some of these other great anglers are using, uh, kind of help some of us who aren't that great, um, you know, just learn something, uh, right now, I'm really interested in, uh, fishing line, um, I think it's just what I'm going to focus on this year, I think last year was more rods, um and this and reels uh you know trying to figure out what i want to do with those but this year I, i'm focusing more on you know matching the uh the right line with the right rod for the right job um and so i'm gonna, that's, that's what we'll be talking about in this episode uh we talked about a lot of other stuff you know like specifically what he's using um you know as far as like finesse working his way up to like some of his heavier heavier setups but um fun conversation um you gotta understand i'm not used to talking like this i, I usually this show i just drink beer and talk shit, just let the conversation flow, but uh, trying something else out, hopefully everyone gets something out of it, hope you guys enjoy it, um, if there's any techniques or things that you would like to learn more about, uh, let me know, I'll try to find the right person, uh, to put out the right information, and we'll just kind of do that for now until uh, the season kicks up again, and we can start getting into the, uh, the you know, what we do best, the tournament stuff, so uh, anyways guys, have a Merry Christmas, uh, enjoy the holidays, uh, and we'll talk to you guys again soon, ciao. All right, Adam, thanks for coming back on the show tonight. It's good to talk to you, man. Uh, I haven't talked to you since uh, right before the TOC, I think. Uh, I think that was the last time, right? That sounds about right, yeah. I, I think it was right around in there, yeah. Well, what are your thoughts right now? I never got to talk to you about it. I know you, you've you been doing a lot of podcasts lately. I know you've been uh, slumming it down with the uh, the Paddle and Finn boys. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
you know, what's life been like since the tournament champions? I know it didn't go your way. I know you had a pretty good uh, performance down at uh, the, the whatever Dale Holloway and all those yep. kind of things. I mean, you've been, yep. you've been somewhat busy. I mean, I imagine things have gotten less busy now since it's December. Yeah, uh, basically life since then. I was fishing, and I was I was I was trying to fish. I think everyone around here was trying to fish a good bit, but the fishing regionally has been so lousy with very very few good days. And so I think, uh, you know, fish heads like myself were just out there trying to find a good bite. This this fall to winter transition, it never really happened. Um, and then I started uh, some new work. It'll just be some seasonal work, but it's more like traditional Monday through Friday, nine to five hours. So that's been occupying a good bit of my time too. But like I said, not, it's not too bad that I ain't fishing uh, as, as much as I normally would because there's not really much to miss out there right now is uh, from what we're understanding. Yeah, I can't get motivated. I, I've talked about it before, but I mean, pe- I think now people are officially putting the kayaks up because it's, it, it is frozen now. But like two, three weeks ago, there's just guys out there with their paddles just breaking ice and getting as far as they can. I'm just like, you know, the bite's not good. Um, you know, they're struggling for one or two bites or whatever it is. I just can't get motivated to do that kind of stuff. When I think it's, uh, when it's time, it's time. Leave the fish alone. Let them get their break. You get your break. Come back in the spring. A little refresh, recharge. But I can't stand freezing for no reason. I don't know. Maybe that's the Florida part in me or what, but I just can't do it. I'll say this. Anyone that went out and did some uh, successful hunting this season, you are the real winner because you did not miss out on any fishing. I know some guys that are uh, well-versed at both, like sometime uh, have had trouble deciding which one they want to do in the fall. And this fall, if you chose to hunt and you chose to not fish, at least down here in our yeah. our era, you probably made the right decision. Yeah, I, I was definitely excited because I killed two deer and like five minutes I apart. Saw that. Yeah, it was it was nuts. I shot the I shot the buck, and then his girlfriend like stood right there in front of me. I'm like, you gotta go. You can't just sit there in front of me and like two two three minutes to pass. I'm like, well, I gotta do this now. Like this is I have to. I can't just let you just sit here and stare at me and not, you know. So I shot her, and it was uh, that was it. I wish it would have happened earlier this season because then I maybe I could have caught some, uh, you know, went fishing a little bit earlier. But uh, sure, it is what it is. Like the the fish and the bass or the oh, I'm sorry, the deer and the bass are all the same. They got their their weather patterns they like, and for some reason, deer just like it to be nice and cold. Uh, but you always start when it's nice and warm, and then you got to wait for it to get cold. And so it's a, it's a, it took probably like a month and a half for me to finally get a shot on deer. It was okay. it was a, it was grueling. How and how big is your entire window from when you can hunt to where you have to stop? All right, so uh, early bow season starts like the like September twenty, like the last few days of September, uh, goes all the way through October till november and then november starts uh rifle season and then rifle yeah. season goes goes about two weeks into december i think but uh you know i start hunting gotcha. early bow season which i need to stop because that's really good fishing here and it's not really good uh hunting here because it's still kind of mm-hmm. warm so they're not really it's kind of like i guess like fish like when they get warm or hot they don't want to move that much and so they they find places and they kind of just chill out and that's that's kind of what they do so you try to find like a pattern with them and they're just not really a good pattern. So once it starts getting cold and they start moving a lot more cause they got to eat, then you'll start seeing like, you know, you'll start seeing them more often. And it just, it just took forever. Like, I think I, I saw one deer during the early bow season, but other than that, it was like, I, I didn't see a deer until I shot those two. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's hunting. It's, it's the weirdest thing. I don't know why people sure. get so motivated about it. Cause it's not like, I mean, if you're doing like what Ryan Lambert does and go out West and hunt elks and stuff like that, I get it. Cause you're constantly moving around with a big pack on your back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Here, here you just go sit your ass down in a, in a chair and freeze and, and <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if you really consider that hunting. It's just like you just sit there 
and maybe something will come across or maybe something. There's not a lot of skill that I can think of. I mean, there's probably some like hunter in Alabama that's just yelling at me right now, you know, because he's got all the skill in the world. But I mean, I, I've done it, you know, year after year, and all I do is sit down in a, a seat and wait for something to come by. And uh, I mean, you know, it's honey. You you just didn't burn as much calories as you would maybe hiking through the hills of New Mexico or something, you know? Right. Like, well, well it, it gets very boring. There were some times where I just, just I'm not sitting in the stand no more. And I, I got up and I'm like, I'm I'm going fishing. And I've done that. I, I, I got up. Went and got my stuff and just went fishing after like two hours of sitting in the stand because it just you know it just gets boring after a while. But once you do finally kill a deer, it's a you know it's a pretty incredible feeling, uh, especially when you got two hanging from the tree. You're like yes. I bet. Yeah. So my, free, my freezers are full right now. Nice. Congrats on that one, man. That was, that was a good day. That was a happy uh, night when you when you brought all that home. I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I felt like a man. It took a while, <laughs> but I, I finally got to feel like a man again. Once a year, I get to do that. So, but uh, good. Yeah, it was cool, man. But uh, dude, I'm glad you came on. It's a weird time, you know, a lot of tournaments going on. I'm like, what am I gonna talk about? And you know, I'm starting to clean up my, all my shit and get it all ready for next season. And the schedules are coming out. I'm thinking about next year. And I start thinking about really what I want to do. You know, like kind of remember like what I what I learned from this year and you know the, the things that were good, that were bad. I really started you know keying in on things because I mean you're constantly learning in this sport. Sure. And, and a lot about what I learned this year was uh you know was the, you know picking the right you know the right gear for the right job. Um, especially when it comes, you know, I've already told you kind of what we want to talk about. You know, I know your setup, you know, kind of what you talk about your setups, but mainly it, I think this year going into this year, I really want to think about like, you know, the type of line I'm putting on my reels, like what I'm matching up with, you know, whatever I'm trying to do. And the, the thing about it is that like, you can spend all day trying to figure that shit out. Cause everyone yep. has got something to say about it. I mean, like, seriously, people, like I'm, I'm over here arguing myself about 12 pound fluoro or 15 pound fluoro. You know, it's just, and it's, just, it's just things like that, or yep. you know, if you're doing finesse, like should you have a, uh, should you run braid to a four liter? And some people, will, you know, a lot of majority of people will swear by it, and you'll have these one people says, no, you don't, I don't do that. And it's just like, there's just so much to go when it comes to line, but um, you know, just kind of like start talking to some of the anglers now about more like their setups and why they choose the things they want to choose without getting in like too specifics and giving away like secrets and shit like that. Uh, but you know, just kind of help people out. I know like that's something that I struggle with year at the year. You know, as I'm getting better and better, and I'm really trying to dial in know what i want to do and how i need to do it and each year you know i learn something else and so it's not, it's, it's one of the i guess the uh the pros of having a podcast and being able to talk to people is like you know hearing like what they're doing especially people who've had somewhat you know some good success throughout the year someone like you and some of the other people i'm, I'm fortunate enough to talk to so that's kind of where i sure. wanted to go and it's kind of cool. weird it's kind of, it's kind of a hard place to start i don't really because because there, there's a lot of talk but i want to make it a little bit different so i try to figure out the best way to approach it so i'm like well you know how about we start with you know something simple it's like we'll go from finesse and then we'll go into like maybe like your, your you know the kind of reaction style rods and, and, and lines or something you're doing, and then go all the way up till we get to like heavy. So maybe like three, sure, three different set, three to four different setups going from like your lightest to your uh, to what your your heaviest, like all the way to flipping and uh, frogging or whatever it is. Sure. Kind of, you know, kind of just like dialing in, you know, like why you chose to do this. And, and I guess we can go, we can start off with like you know you, you fish mostly down in Tennessee, so maybe we can go about what yeah. you do down in your waters because your waters what what you do. In certain times, it's probably gonna be a little bit different than what I do up here in the Northeast, because yeah, different bodies of water. So I think it's just it could be just cool, help kill the time until the uh, the tournaments start coming up. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, when you're talking about fishing line too, if, if that's the topic at hand here, that's one of those things where it's like we all know that the cheapest like two dollar mono line can catch a fish and you can reel a fish in on it, and then the most expensive Japanese high end fluorocarbon can catch a fish too. So it's like, okay, what, what is worth the time and money and, and right. what is not? 
And, and I think the answer with a lot of the fishing terminal and, and lure considerations is, you know, to what degree are you trying to catch fish and what are your reasons for wanting to catch fish? And, uh, yeah, every, literally every pound test of line from, uh, I guess in the bass fishing world, you're really only talking about four pound tests going all the way up to, uh, I don't know, 30 pound fluoro and 65, 80 pound braid. So that's a big spectrum of line there to uh, to discuss, um, and every single one of them you can apply at a different time, uh, but you can also simplify it too, and a lot of that stuff uh, uh, can even be done better in, in a kayak, and since you have to do it in a kayak and you can't carry 30 rods, uh, it, it's definitely right. worth figuring out what's worth the while. Um, so if we want to start down at the, the small line end of the spectrum, uh, for me, that's all my spinning gear, uh, all all the stuff that's going to be finesse uh, applications and a hundred percent of my spinning rods. I think I've got, I don't know, maybe half a dozen of them, something like that. Um, all of them have braid with a floral leader on them. Uh, all of them do. Um, up North, I think you can justify throwing straight fluorocarbon and a lot of those small now scenarios up there. Um, I don't ever encounter anything here where I need anything lighter than a, a six pound fluorocarbon leader. Um, and if I need, and if I'm afraid that the fish see it, I just put on a super long leader. Simple as that. Some call it top shotting. Um, right. but it's pretty common. Like if I'm fishing the, uh, like Dale hollow, it's a clear water place. I very regularly have a 25 foot, 30 foot long leader, uh, attached to that, that braided line. Um, but with my spinning setups, all of them, uh, best of my memory had the exact same braid it's just 15 pound high vis uh, uh yellow braid on it i, I really really uh, advocate that yellow uh, braid um when you see a subtle little uh, uh bite you can see the jump in the line uh, I, more importantly and what i use it more for is when i'm letting a bait free fall i can track that line as it uh right. gets sucked off the surface of the water and the second that bait stops, I can engage my reel or be ready or be ready for the bite. So um, the, the using a bright line on a spinning reel, I think, has definitely become more the norm. And it's a very justified uh, approach for, for uh, spinning gear. Um, I really don't use, as far as the different leaders I use, uh, very commonly I'll use 6, 8, and 10-pound tests. On my spinning setup, but again, that you're talking like, you know, Ned rigs, drop shots, uh, small swim baits, uh, uh, very standard, you know, right. even Cinco's, I'll throw on 10-pound test, but uh, pretty standard stuff there. Um, spotted bass, smallmouth fisheries, I really like the six-pound. They seem to be more visually picky. Uh, Eight-pound is probably what I use most commonly with just spinning, spinning setups, and then... Um, you know, if I'm using a fluke or a Cinco, uh, some some uh, swim baits, that 10-pound really comes into play. And then if I'm maybe fishing around grass but still need to use uh, docks or grass but still need to use uh, a fluke or a Cinco, some kind of soft plastic, then that 12 to 15-pound line will uh, come in play as a leader. This is all leader that I'm talking about. And that's about it for spinning or for nest stuff. When you're, I guess like the, um, maybe it's not a big argument. Maybe it's just something that I'm I'm looking a lot more into as far as like the, uh, the braid deleter. Um, 
for a while, and I, I I wasn't a big drop shot guy. I didn't use shaky head that much. Like the only the only finesse I really did was like a, a you know a wacky you know, a wacky rig, or uh, you know a a fluke or, you know, or something like that. And so a lot of times I'd get away with not using um or a leader. I would just use straight braid, and I like the braid because the braid, you know, which I guess. And we'll, we'll talk about like why the leader to braid, but one of the reasons why I love braid so much was this, like the uh, it was sensitive. You could feel everything that was going on, like you could yeah. feel everybody. And it, it, I feel like I had more control, or I knew more what was going on in the water. Or, you know, if my bait was falling to the ground, um, and that was like the only thing I really got out of braid. Uh, and I love braid, but I don't I don't like the uh, I don't like putting a leader on it. Uh, I just don't. Uh, maybe it's because my I mean I, I I've, I've mastered that knot now. It took me all year to really figure out how to. Uh, you know, really, t- you know, tie the leader on, but I just never really, it just, I just never really liked it. I just don't like having that, uh, that break in the, you know, or something like that breaking point, another breaking point in the line. Yep. I mean, yep. you know, something like that. So, but what I found out, you know, cause I'm up in upstate New York and we do have like those deep clear lakes that we have up here is that when I was trying to drop shot or, you know, fish, you know, you know I like to do a shaky head deep sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I, was, I found a lot more success with the, uh, with the leaders. And so I'm yep. like, well, well, maybe I just can't. Maybe I just use leader, uh, or not leader. I'm sorry. Maybe I can just use fluoro. Uh, but the thing you 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 compromise with that is you don't get the same sensitivity. I think you get with braid. Okay. So it's like a hit or miss. It's like, do I want? I don't know. It's, it's just weird because uh, I like I love braid, but I don't like I don't like having that uh having a tie, especially especially when you're doing like a drop shot and you got to change change lures, you know, or, or change things up yep. constantly, and, and yep. you're running out and they got to retie the whole thing. Um, and just, you know, trying to be efficient and whatever I am, you know, as a kayak angler, I just, it's just, it's a pain in the ass. Is there any thought to that whatsoever? I mean, like, is it just leaders? I mean, I know a lot of people are getting away, especially in California and some of their big lakes, they're using just six pound, uh, fluoro on their, uh, their finesse rigs, their, uh, their, their drop shot and things like that. So, so my, the, the best segue for the, the, the braid to leader and using, uh, either or discussion, um, is it is a give and take thing. Uh, now it's again, I feel like a, a kayaker can benefit more from it. When I'm, when I first started kayak fishing, ba- kayak bass fishing, uh, I think just about all my setups, both spinning and casting were braid with floral leaders. The benefit of that is, um, if you just get kind of like a mid range rod, like a medium heavy and you put braid on that, you can put some heavy floral on there and you can treat it like it's a heavy rod. And then right. you can uh, put some lighter floral on there and get away with maybe some crankbaiting or something where you'd be better off with a little more of a, a rod with some give. But it, it's you can get away with more with that because you can easily change your leader. Now, like you just mentioned, a lot of people are frustrated with tying a leader or they don't like the knot that is made coming through the eyes that these are all things that keep people from, from doing that. And I get that too, which is why you got to consider, you know, that maybe a micro guide, uh, a rod with micro guides on it probably isn't the rod you want to use. If you're tying a 20 pound floral leader to a 65 pound braid and that knot's going to be flying through there, you're not going to have guides for very long. So, you know, whatever direction you want to go, will definitely change things. But, um, to me, if you're using braid with a floral leader or just braid in general, that braid, both the line that is off the reel will obviously transmit well, but even the braid that sits on the, the reel will actually transmit a bite a little better than what fluorocarbon would sitting on that reel. So you, the sensitivity is definitely there. Um, 
you do need to learn how to tie those knots. You can pick whichever one you want. I personally like uh, 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 Uni to Uni is what I used for a few yeah. years. It's super strong, but it's bulky. And uh, it has a couple tag ends. It can be kind of sharp. Um, an Alberto knot has kind of become my go-to knot now, especially on the spinning end of things. Uh, so I recommend those two. Everyone, the FG knot, yeah, it looks great. And, and function, functionality-wise, it's it's top-notch. But I'm not going to, on a windy day, bouncing around in a kayak, I'm not about to try to uh, uh, assemble that knot when I struggle on, like, a calm living room couch trying to tie half of these right, knots. Right, right, so. right. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm good with keeping it simple. Yeah, I mean, uh, the kayak makes things different. Like, I mean, my uh, – I can't even explain to you how I do my, uh, you know, my drop shot. You know, when I, when I tie my hook to my drop shot, like, it's a, it's a weird – it's not the way you're – the fancy way. It's a different way, but it's very efficient. It's very quick. But I do it particularly because it's the only way I really know how to do it when I'm, you know, when I'm in the kayak. And it's yep. – and, that, and that's, that's just some of the struggles we have. That's why we, you know, we only have six, seven rods. The things we put on, you know, we got to be, we got, we got to be considered like, are we, how are we going to be able to fix this, uh, you know, change it up and things like that. And so, yeah, I try to make my knots as, as uh, easily, you know, the easiest ones as possible and, and things that I can be efficient with. And that's just one of the reasons, that's just one of my problems with the drop shot. I mean, I love using it, but I'm trying to find a lazier or easier way to go without having to have, you know, and not that, but I'm trying to make a rods too. Like, you know, like making them versatile, like what I want to do with them. Uh, you know, I only bring like two spinning rods when I go out fishing, you know, uh, one, I mean, like one, especially for drop shot, but I want to be able to change it up and use it for a, uh, um, you know, whatever shaky head if I need to, or sure. something like that. So I know it's, it's weird. It's almost like, like for like something like a drop shot rod, you got to have a rod that if there's any rod that I think has to be like specifically for one thing, it would be the drop shot rod because everything there's that goes a few into of a drop them. Yeah. Shot. yeah. Yeah. Jerk bait, uh, drop shot, um, the, the, like my drop shot rod, my jerk bait rod, my frog rod, I, yeah. those are three off the top of my head that that's all they that's their sole purpose they don't they right. don't get used for for anything else in, a, in an absolute pinch or something yeah i can make it happen but like i they're they, i bought them for that and they and unless i it's an emergency that's what they're devoted to right now what's your now what's your second thing like as, as we're getting going up to like uh like i said heavier um i guess the next one would be like a like a reaction or I would yeah say what, so for, to me, when I'm thinking like, what's the next tier, like you're talking, probably talking about like uh, crankbaiting. So I'm t like, I, I do, oh man, probably 90, 95% of my crankbaiting now on 12 pound fluorocarbon, straight 12 pound fluorocarbon. Um, well, and let's I talk about that first thing. That, that, that's, the, okay. uh, that's the question. Um, that's, that's where I'm at on, like, we're on my Pacifics right now is because I'm getting my, uh, you know, my, my square bill crank rod set up. And I mean, it's going to have more than just I use it more than that, but that's mainly what it's for. It's like for the square bill and uh, medium, like whatever, small to medium crankbaits. Um, and it's between, and it's a weird argument. I see people argue it all the time. It's like a 12 to like 17, you know, fluorocarbon. Um, that's just usually what I see. Like, why do you choose 12 over, you know, a heavier one? Is it because of where you fish? Uh, you know, what, what's gonna make you go heavier with it? Sure. Need to? Um, let me add on to the end of. I uh, just not thought. Let me add on to the end of that last thought I had about uh, braid, braid and fluoro. Okay. Uh, Another huge uh, reason to use braided fluoro is you will save a lot of money by having leaders as, a, as opposed to spooling up with entire reels full of fluorocarbon. Fluorocarbon is so expensive. It's why it's one of uh, the biggest questions in fishing because 
not everyone can afford to experiment with a bunch of high-end Japanese fishing line to yeah. figure out what's best. And when like you got a brand like Sunline that ha- makes great fishing line, but they make so many different types for so many specific purposes, I can't just go out and buy a, a, a $50 spool of line and hope that it's good or hope that I'm going to like it. Like, uh, yeah, I had that same issue. I was, I was looking because uh, I've, been, I've been using a lot of P-Line lately. Yeah. The P-Line has like, like, like six different types of 4.0. They have some that's specifically for, I guess, leader, and they got some, the the Halo, the Tactical, and I'm just like, well, how the hell am I trying to figure out? And I'm sure like, some of it, like, because, uh, you know, plenty of brands are doing that now, and there's some of it that's probably, like, really not any different than their other line, whether it's like, oh, this is supposed to be specifically for this. It's probably a bit gimmicky, and they can, you know, d- jack up the price a little bit if they sell it as just a leader. As a, I, I mean, I've even noticed, I'll leave the brands out of it, but I've even noticed a few brands, like, I was like, I think they realized they were losing money by having too many. And I don't, I don't know. It's it's. Well, I mean, I think I think it should I get be myself simple. in trouble talking about it. But yeah, um, well, I agree. I think it should be somewhat simple because because it is hard. Because like I mean, I just bought a shit ton of stuff from uh from P line. I wish I wouldn't have because it's just like, what am I really looking for? You know what I mean? Like what, what, what like there was one that says, well, it helps the line or the helps the bait fall slower than the other, and yeah. you know, it's all this shit. I'm just like. Do people have been fishing? So that, that, that's years. that's a good that's a good mention. Like the rate of fall thing, like that's that ties us right back into what we were talking about. Like when I say I use twelve pound for cranking, when I when I'm when I'm crank baiting, I'm really considerate about uh, the depth that that crankbait's going to go at. Like if you're thinking right. about a traditional crankbait, um, and the size of the line really does uh, probably changes about like. For every two pounds, I want to say like at least the lines that I use probably change about six inches of depth that that bait will get. So, right. but you want to? I try to use the lightest line I can get away with because it's more subtle and it uh, will go deeper. Thinner line will cut through it easier. To think of it as a, as a knife, thinner line is going to cut down there. And fluorocarbons, you can think of it as uh, chemically the same stuff as glass, so it's going to sink. Um, but 12 pound. Is strong enough to where if I get snagged or if I'm like really ripping a crankbait, like it's not going to wear that line out so much to where one big bite's going to break it. 10 pound, you're getting into that realm a little bit where uh, I wouldn't use a digging crankbait with that. I use a 10 pound with jerk baits almost right. exclusively. Um, but 12 pound, I, I can square bill, deep crank, medium crank. Um, it, it's a really good go to line. Um, if you're around some super heavy cover or giant bass, just beef it up. You're good. Uh, other than that, the net, when I'm jumping up to the next, uh, like mid range group of lines, I'm thinking 15 pound and boy, I do a lot of stuff with 15 pound line right. chatterbait, spinner bait. And a lot of, when I think like medium heavy setups, uh, there's well, a you, lot. Me, before we go to medium heavy, are you throwing your, uh, your crankbaits on like a medium fast at, or a moderate action type rod with your uh, crankbaits? Yeah, and some you got yeah. All my cranking stuff has like a good bit of give to it. Like you know, medium. If it's a medium heavy, it's still got a good bit of give to it. Um, and the whole idea when you're considering your rods and your line, they go hand in hand. They they they, they work as a team. If you're right. using braid with a fluorocarbon leader, especially a shorter fluorocarbon leader, that braid has no give, no resistance. Therefore, your rod needs to have more resistance to make up for that. If you're using right. straight fluorocarbon, then your rod can be a little more stiffer, have a little more backbone because that line is going to 
be where the give happens. It's going to be, it's going to give in the stretch. Floor carbon stretches uh, more, whereas braid hardly stretches at all. Monofilament stretches the most. I have not experimented or used any copolymers and any of that other stuff. So I, I'm no I, I have. I, I like it. I just don't know when it's when, it, when it's the right time to use. I've been using a lot more on my uh, my top water. Um, okay. Actually, I've been using a lot more because I've been when I read a lot about it, a lot. It seems like where it's best. It seems like it's the best world between braid and mono is what it sounds like uh, with the with that line. Interesting. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm still learning a lot about it. I don't know. I, I've tried using it with the um, with um, with like my crankbaits and stuff. But it doesn't make sense because you want that crankbait to kind of get down there. You don't want it to be going against itself. And so if it's not like if it's like braid or mono where it has the bit like the uh, it, it kind of wants to float a little bit. Or you know whatever, okay. it, it kind of goes against. I, I feel like it kind of goes against what you want, you know, your crankbait to do. You don't want your crankbait to have to fight, you know, as it's going down. You want yeah, it to go down. Yeah, there's some it, very it, few scenarios I hear of. Maybe some like serious heavy cover square billing where they want it to like float quickly because it's coming over stuff. But yeah, I, yeah, guess, I but find it. I find just a standard 12 pound floor with the square bill still gets that done just fine for yeah. me. Well, like we were saying about the, uh, that kind of makes sense. Cause like lately I've been using, um, you know, like a, a mod, I, I used to use a medium heavy, uh, I think a fast action for my, uh, when I was, when I was crankbaiting cause it just felt right. But what I learned is I was like, whenever you, wherever you, you pulled those treble hooks, you just did a lot of damage when you, when you set that hook. And I was just like, yeah. you know, I was, I was losing more fish than I, than I wanted. And then, so I switched to like a medium, like a moderate action. Um, and then I was using like 15 fluoro and it just seems to be like the perfect combination. Cause it just. Whenever, whenever you set the hook, it just, it just wasn't that. There was like less violence, if that makes any sense, in the hook. It set. totally does. It's, yeah. To me, there's a, a, a big consideration in that too. Is how much line is out when, like, I, you know, if you're uh, throwing a football jig or something where you're making a long cast, or here, even better example, deep cranking, long cast, you may get bit at nearly the end of your cast, and you don't really have by the time you even like, you know, straighten up on the fish. There's not really a hook set going on. Um, Then, you know, the, you may want smaller, not smaller in uh, size, but smaller diameter hooks or sharper hooks for that. Uh, So it's, it depends on, you know, how much resistance is there going to be once that fish eats it? Are you, are you, you know, 10 foot away from, are you, you know, is, is that fish in super deep water? And you got to consider those things too, depending on how your fishing will change, like how much you want to actually pull back at the fish without risking pulling a bait out or losing a bait. Yeah. So, I mean, I, so, I, mean, I guess fluoro just has – the, the thing about fluoro, though, is, is fluoro – is it – when it comes to, like, mono and braid, is it well, – obviously, it, it's a lot more – it stretches a lot more than what braid does. But, I mean – but, I mean, is it the is it the, is it the kind of line that stretches more than, like, mono and, and, the, and the other one? I didn't think no, so. I thought bra- mono was the bra- other one that had the yeah. more stretch yeah, to bra- it. Braid will, in different types of braid, too, will stretch more uh, than others. I've really noticed that uh, throughout the last few years of trying a few different types. Some are uh, hardly any stretch, and then some, like, have a really nice, like, sponge to them. But uh, no fluorocarbon that I've tried or seen uh, is anywhere close to mono as far as, you know, flimsiness and stretch. It's It's a different tool for sure. Right. Okay. So going up to like your medium heavy, um, that that's where I I kind of switch, and I know there's not really an argument. But there's I like I like to throw chatter baits. That's kind of like my, my yeah. go-to. Um, but I like to throw it under medium heavy, fast action with braid. Uh, yep. I fish a lot of grass. 
but a, but a lot of people they like to treat their chatter base the same way they treat their uh their, their crank base. They like they want like a medium moderate action uh with like a uh, you know like a you know 12 to 15 fluoro or something like that. And I just to me like when it comes to a chatter bait, I want to feel everything that it does. So I love that braid because you can feel that vibration come all the way up. And I love the hook set you get with a medium heavy. It just feels it just yep. feels right. Uh, but like I said, a lot of people think a lot of people like to throw it on like a lot of people like to throw on the same the same rod like the the Pacific uh, crankbait rod. You know, the, like the glass tip or whatever with the sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like to throw their crate or their, their chatter baits on that. I, I just I don't do that. I, I like a medium heavy. You know, a seven to seven four. Uh, you know, whatever braid. I, I think I use about 30. I don't want to be too heavy, but I like I like I like it to be able to cut through the grass and things like that. But that's that's kind of where my, my my comfort is with the the medium heavy uh, chatterbait rod that I got. Yeah, the when I'm getting into that range, I'm thinking a lot of chatterbaits, a lot of spinner baits, a lot of like uh, medium size like swim baits, uh, yeah. definitely moving baits, even a lot of like rattle traps, stuff like that. Um, it's I feel like it's worth talking about chatterbaits specifically just because so many people use them and it's such a, a, a incredible bait. Um, I've used braid, both straight braid and braid to fluorocarbon with chatterbaits, and specifically talking about the jackhammer. I feel like straight braid will straighten out that uh, the the snap line tie. I've had it straighten that out, and then mm-hmm. I've heard people say like, "Oh, we'll get a beefier snap," but then I've it's my understanding and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard that that snap that they put there is a very, uh, it, it serves its purpose. Like you want to keep that one for whatever reason uh, for, for the vibration considerations, I'm sure. But, um, I've, I've, I, I, I like I like feeling that chat bait on that braid, but I've just had it mess a few of them up and yeah. almost straighten out not really straighten the hooks, but really risk, uh, beating up the bait too much. And so, I've gone to where I, I use either 15 pound if I'm chatterbaiting without uh, grass around. And then if there's grass around, um, which it sounds like that's a lot where you're going to fish or like yeah, the guys right. down in Gunner, Gunnersville in Florida, they're going to be using probably minimum 17 pound fluorocarbon and probably even uh, bumping up to uh, straight braids and they're, yeah, they're beefing that up around the grass. I would say in general, anytime you're around like, a grass fishery or you're fishing like you know thick grass hydrilla and stuff you, you probably want to up your line a little bit yeah no matter what it is well i think that's just why i've always been it was weird like i think i've i switched back and forth from braid to fluoro probably two or three times every year just depending on you know how the year is going or something like that but it just seems yeah. like braids always what i especially when it comes to like late june early july when up here it's as, as thick as like i, I won't like, i can't I don't like the feeling of anything else but braid. Uh, I like the feel, especially um, just the sensitivity and not only that, but like just the hook set and, and being able to, to pull them out of the uh, the grass compared to. And now, granted, I know that, that you can do. I, I did it with floor. I did, especially with like 17 pound floor. I've had some success, but I don't know. It just, it just, it's just, I guess maybe it's just one of those things where it's just. Uh, well, in, gra- you know, in grass, that that braid will slice through grass, and that's a yeah. that's a value in itself, you know. Whether it's before the fish is hooked or after it's hooked, like that braid, you know, the thinner braid, the thinnest braid you can get away with without like risking a breaking off a fish that's covered in a bunch of grass. Like that stuff will cut through the grass, so that's yeah. that's valuable to have, and totally uh, is worth arguing that to fish straight braid with that. Well, have you ever had any issues with something like that fishing with like a 
like a braid to fluoro type thing. Like like when you're trying to get a good hook set, when you're when you're when you're when you're messing around in like uh you know just beefy waters, uh you know a lot of yeah, lot of vegetation. I, I, I mean that, that, that's my biggest fear about the whole. You know I I understand finesse because it's, it's finesse, but when it's when you're fishing in like you know whatever like the the edge of grass lines or whatever, like it's you know it's you don't want to lose a fish because you broke it off because of uh yeah. you know the whatever, you know, the, the fluoro to, or the braided fluoro leader. Yeah, that's, and I've, I've had that same concern and, cons, and considerations too, where I'm like, man, it, you know, am I, whether it's the hook of the bait that I'm using, maybe a super beefy hook. And so I know that I need to drive it home. And so I'm yeah. like, okay, well, I need to use braid, but maybe it's a visual thing where I feel like I still need to use the fluorocarbon leader. So I'm like, well, I need a I need to be able to trust that fluorocarbon lever, leader to handle the shock of the hook set right. or maybe abrasion resistance. And so um, I think I'm more considered about which leader line size or brand that I'll use under those chances because I know it's going to have to withstand more heavier duty and more heavier tasks. Yeah. Um, but I, if I can get away with fluorocarbon, whether it's straight fluorocarbon or a leader, I'll try to if I can. Yeah, really, the only thing that I can think of where I'll use straight braid, frog and punching, um, maybe some other kind of like Texas rig technique and like a true grass lake down in Florida or something. But okay. man, I, I can't think of anything else where I would use a swim jigging. Yeah, heavy duty swim jigging for sure. I think that's it for straight braid that I would okay. use. And that's not, that's not just because of visibility, is it? I know some, yeah, yeah. Some of it. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I, I, and I, fit, I, I like fishing clear water. I like clear water fisheries. If there's a, uh, if there's a tournament, I'm probably going to go check out the end of the lake that has the clearest water. I like to, I like to feed bass visually. I like to feed them lures <laughs> visually. I, I, I'm totally opposite. I want it to be dark just nasty like i can't like i and that that, that you know that's probably because that's the way i fish i don't have a lot of success um which makes me kind of like a, like one of the worst anglers in new york because a lot of guys love the uh the deep clear waters and they love yeah. the, you know they go for the big small mouths they love the drop shot up here and i i just love i love the uh the thick nasty dirty water uh you know i like reaction strikes and i like uh you know flipping and frogging and things like that yeah yeah, you hey, you can get those reaction strikes in clear water too. Sometimes you can get them even better because they can uh, see it better and, and react to right. it even more. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I do know and think those fish see that line to some degree. Um, I think even even more. I think they feel it. Um, I noticed it. it a lot when I was bed fishing this year. Uh, if you use like a thicker line, they just feel it with their lateral line. Um, and that's why I think guys that use straight braid and like open water may want to rethink that because uh, that, that braid will almost like squeak or it'll put out some kind of sonic resonance in the mm. water and the fish can, whether you want to call it hearing it or feeling it, they are made aware of it more than just fluorocarbon, um, both visually and like on a, on a, on a, uh, resonating level too. So that's why, again, if you can get away with fluorocarbon, use it, uh, and the, the thinner it is, the less they can see it. And again, you're going to have plenty of people say, Oh, I catch fish all the time on, you know, yeah, 50 no. pound braid and straight clear water. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying if you want to put yourself in the best chance to succeed in a tournament or catch that bass on 
uh, your weekend. These are the things you may want to consider a little more. I, you know, I think we have, I should have thought about this more when I talked about it, but like talking line gives me anxiety. I didn't realize that until now. Like, <laughs> Why? Because, cause, you know, a rod, you know, you buy one or two rods and you can get the job. To, you know, you, you get like a medium, moderate action rod and you, there's just so much you can do with it. Uh, a medium, heavy rod, so many things you can do. And they're just not much. But I mean, talk about line. It's just like there's just like so much experimenting and so much things you like just talking to you. I'm like, well, God damn it. Now it's going to be like another hundred dollars in different, you know, sizes, lines. To go so there expensive. And try to, and, 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 like you don't realize it because, you know. You know, think a line like 150, you know, 200 yards of line. Okay, so 20 expensive. bucks, 20 bucks. But then, if you decide that you want to twist that up because you're not happy with it, that's another 20 bucks. And then you get, then you lose confidence, you lose confidence in that one. Then it's another 20. It's just, it's a never-ending. Um, so far until I guess you become like a someone who's absolutely 100% confident in like the line they choose. You know, it's an expensive game trying to figure out this uh, official what fishing line. Because right now I got a lot of braid stuff, and now I'm like, well, God damn it, maybe I should take the braid off this one and put you know, 15 floor on it and go, and it just, it just, and I guarantee you there's, there's people listening right now thinking about like they, they're freshly spooled up, like expensive Japanese fishing line and three cast into their day. They bird nest that sucker to the point where like, you got to cut it out. And that's, you know what, that's one of the bad things about fluorocarbon too. Like if you get a bad crimp in it, that's like a crack in a glass. Like you're, you're tremendously weakening, that line and asking for it to break off when you're not expecting it. So like you can, you can just toast a $45 full line that you just put on your reel in one cast sometimes too. Um, and I know like it, I, I, I do, I'll do the, the big swim bait thing sometimes where that's all you take and you're just trying to catch like the biggest fish possible. And for my setups on a big swim bait, I'll buy like the highest end line because it's an all in, you know, right. adventure. You're, you're, you're only going for the best or nothing else, uh, both for results and in this case, like your, your tackle too. And uh, I don't want to lose the fish of a lifetime because I went a little skimped out on the line some. So, right. you know, I've used the high end stuff and part of me like discourages people from doing that because once you actually use some of like the really nice stuff, you won't want to use like the cheap stuff again or right. like the Like so full disclosure, like I mostly use Seaguar, right? Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of guys love Seaguar Red Label. And for, for the price, yeah, it's really good. But, man, if you use Seaguar Tatsu, you probably won't ever want to touch Red Label again. And then you'll think Invisex, which has probably the highest reputation of all fishing line out there, fluorocarbon-wise, you'll even think less of Invisex. And you'll and uh, it's, I almost don't encourage people. I'm like, hey, if you're getting it done with your cheapo stuff, you need to keep using your cheapo stuff and you'll save a lot more money than what I spend. I'm dev- I'm definitely waiting on a few holiday sales so that I can just buy a few thousand yard spools and, you know, take a, take a hurt in the wallet. But, you know, I have to, you got to have fishing line, right? Well, yeah. And, and you know, we're tournament anglers. And so it's something, you know, you know, after talking to guys like you and some other people, it's like, it doesn't really matter what rod you have. And I'm not, I know a lot of people will, will disagree with that, but I'm like, nope, I listen to, like, I love talking to you and I love talking to Ryan Lambert because you cause it's like, like you got you, like you guys are, are minimalist type guys when it comes to a lot of uh, shit. Like, uh, you're Lambert's fish- way more of a minimalist than I yeah, am. I, I, mean, can, it, I can go down rabbit holes. That dude keeps it simple and it's successful. Very sure. successful. And you, but instead, but you know, so, you know, we got a guy who uses a $100 rod compared to a guy who paid probably four or five hundred dollars for his rod and the guy that with a hundred dollar rod won the toc and it's thirty thousand dollars richer than the rest of us but i guarantee he pays a lot of attention to his fishing line i guarantee he pays 
or a lot of you guys do. It just seems like fishing lines that now is like to me, it's like where it used to be rods and reels mm -hmm. that I was thinking about my investment. Now it's like, well, shit, maybe in 2021, instead of spending $1,000 on rods, I might be spending thousands of dollars on fishing line instead. But I, just, I think I think it, that's exactly how it is in the last few years because I feel like the quality in the line has made a big leap, whether we're talking braid or floor or other stuff. Um, Obviously, rod builds are, are better and better, but I think if you probably just should, you know look back what maybe five or ten years ago, like the fishing line really has come a long way as far as like how good some of this stuff is and how dependable it is too, dude. I can't even. It is it is really really rare that I break off on a fish. Like if I break off, it's because I'm hung up or. Like uh, there was, I was around a, a rusty pole or something. Like I just don't break off when it's not some fault of my own anymore. Like this fishing line is really good stuff. And if you, and if you, if you pair it up with the right rod so that you're not overpowering or underpowering, right. whatever you're trying to accomplish, you're probably good to go even with like the, the more entry level or, 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 or bottom shelf stuff is still really good. And I, uh, I don't know. That's just my take. But I think that line has probably improved more recently in bigger leaps and bounds than the rods, I guess. Well, let's talk about that just for a second, because I know you said something about it earlier, and it's something that I learned a lot this year. And I definitely want to continue like making sure that I match the right, the right line with the right rod. Because um, I think you know, coming up new in the sport, that's I think that's one of the things that you you kind of you kind of screw up the most is yeah. not having having the right setup. Uh, I mean, you can have a seven three one on a medium heavy, and that's great. But if you don't have the uh, the right line on it, like you're gone. Like if you ask me, that's when I missed the most fish. That's when I was losing the most fish in my crankbaits. That's when I lost the most fish on like my, uh, uh, you know, my chatterbait bites and stuff. Cause I didn't have, you know, I had too much bulk or, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, so like going back down to like, uh, you know, like your, uh, your crankbait rod, that net media or whatever. Like, how do you like to match your line to your rod? Like, what are you really looking for? Um, you know, what's like the, uh, you know, what's going to be the, the reason why you fail because like, of what you decided to match up? You, you, you know what I noticed? The, the other day I was thinking about this. I've noticed that my preferences and opinions on like rod power and fishing line preferences and fishing line power have like slightly changed and evolved as my fishing has evolved. Um, some of it can be as simple as you may just develop a more powerful hook set or you're more in tune with getting a bite from a fish. Therefore, your hook set is more uh, quicker and, and, uh, you're, you're just better to react or maybe your, uh, your positioning of your body is better. So when you do get a bite, your hook set is more uh, physically correct to drive that hook home. So as you become a better angler, theoretically, your, your mechanics would improve too. Therefore right. not, not having to rely on your, your equipment as much. Um, my point in saying that is I've seen myself drop down in some uh fishing rod power because i provide a lot of that power and i was overpowering i, I right. was running into times when i was overpowering um and would lose a fish or break something off um because of that um again i just keep thinking back to my my early years kayak fishing my first two or so years on pickwick and all i had was braid to fluorocarbon and I got it done. Thankfully, that's such a good place to learn that it was easy to catch fish. And so I got to learn a lot about what was working and wasn't working. And I kind of formalized opinions on techniques that I like to pair 
with certain power rods and lines. And over time, I come to would devolve out of that and 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 change my my preferences. Even if I thought I had it right, I realized oh, it's actually a little better to lighten up here, even though I was totally satisfied with how it was happening already. So, I, I guess my long-winded point is to not get really pinned or honed into something. It's going to change based on the individual right. too, and where you are on on your learning curve and fishing. Um, kind of makes me it makes it hard for me to get back to around your original question but. yeah no, it's, it's like let's just move on to the uh the, the heavy stuff but uh no i mean that's a good point i, I didn't really i knew i didn't even think about that uh because you, you don't think about a lot of times you don't think about fishing like you would like uh like another sport like golf for instance like how much yeah you, know, when you, start, when you start off and you learn how to swing a golf club and as you get better yeah. and then your your equipment usually gets better because your technique is better or your yep. technique gets good so you're absolutely satisfied with the equipment that you have and you know that's why my dad had probably like 20 different sets of golf clubs throughout his time is because probably because of how better and more efficient he got at swinging the club which probably meant he probably needed less power for or you know, whatever like I mean, we can go down that rabbit hole forever i mean I, I, that makes sense i didn't think about that like you don't think about your hook set as an actual skill. You just think of it, you know, as a, a routine, a routine, a routine thing you do when you when you when you, when you feel the bite. You don't think about like like the technique, I guess, of actually. Well, it, doing it a is hook mostly set. routine. It is mostly right. like a straightforward thing that doesn't require a whole lot of extra thought. But whether it's the course of a day where you're maybe fortunate enough to catch a bunch of fish, or maybe you're on a bite in it right before a tournament, and you're not like you know, hooking all your fish cleanly. And you, so, you know, there's something really subtle that you need to change, uh, to improve. That's when you have to start considering like, you know, am I setting the hook right? Or maybe is the butt end of my rod shoved against one wrong part of my body here, which can right. happen often when you're sitting in a kayak. And like, that's when you have to start considering that, you know, overall, like, yeah, just, you know, as long as it's a lure that warrants a, a good hook set, it's pretty straightforward, but you know, right. again, these, if, if we're talking the details, those are the details you got to consider down the road. Yeah. Well, let me say like a, like a hook set for like a uh, for like a treble hook is going to be different than a hook set for exactly. like a, you know, then that's what, that's what I was kind of getting at. Like, it's not just the hook set, it's reeling it in, you know, the, the slack that you don't want to, whatever, like the kind of slack you don't want to have and things like that. So it's just, there's a lot of things, I guess, like that to consider when you're, uh, when you're deciding like what you, how you want to match things up. Like I figured, I figured out that matching like, uh, you know, with the uh, like I say with the, uh, the the chatter bait like I love the, the like the feeling of the uh, or like I like as far as the hook set everything goes it, it, it feels perfect with the medium heavy with a you know the fast action with like the the braid that I'm using but with the uh, the crank baits I like I don't like it to be a beefier rod but I like the I like the way the fluoro goes with it uh, as far as when I'm you know when I'm doing like a you know a square bill or like you know a med- like whatever a square bill to like a medium crank bait I like that I like that feeling as well. Yeah, I guess, I guess earlier I was saying it's like more of a two-piece puzzle thing between line and rod, but it's really it's really your hooks, your line, and your rod. Like in my perfect world, I like yeah. I like I like fishing stuff with one hook. Right. I don't got to worry about like how many of them found their way into that fish. I just got to try to get that one hook in there. And typically, one hook fishing means you get to set the hook on them. Right. And I don't know. It's usually it's usually just again less stuff to go wrong. It's, um, it's scarier when you when you're using treble hooks. You know, I love using the crankbait. Sure. I love using uh, you know, weight baits and you know the topwater baits. But uh, it's it just feels like you know, when I get them on like a, a chatterbait or a jig bite, it, it, once it's hooked, I feel like it's that's pretty much yep. over. Uh, but with the other ones, it's like you know, I get it. I'm like, oh shit, 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 and they get on the boat and then you get the net and it's like, 
finally you can relax because whatever. I just, I'm but, telling you, some, someone's going to invent like a lure. Japan probably already has it where like imagine like a square bill with no treble hooks, right? But it yeah. has some type of like recognition to where when it gets bit, like internal single hooks can like pop out like transformer <laughs> style. Like I'm telling you, you're going to see little robotic or mechanical or like uh, little little mechanical lures in the future that, that has to be the way yeah, technology is going that or, or tiny little cameras and lures like i can right. see all of that being like and then old guys like us are going to talk shit about how hard we had it back in the day absolutely so. yeah <laughs> all right yeah. cool man well, that, was, that was good uh, what, now what do you think about with your like we'll go to your heaviest now um okay like like flipping and frogging yeah. you know like something i'm having a hard time is deciding what i want to do with like Cause I mean like flipping and frogging, like at one time I was, I was literally almost using the same rod to do both jobs. Um, now that I'm getting like really into frogging, I, I'm kind of switching the way I think about it. Like, uh, I used to fish only heavy. Now I'm thinking about going to like, or like, like I used to fish like a long, heavy action rod. Now I'm thinking about going to like a, like a shorter, almost, uh, you know, like a medium heavy, maybe a little more backbone than the rest of my medium heavies. But, uh, you know, just cause I, I feel like I, I can walk better with something like that. But like, yeah. uh, my, my, my I've changed a lot the way I looked at frogging compared to the way it used to. Because, like I said, back in the day, like I used to, like my frog and my flipping rod used to almost look exactly the same. Yeah, the the heavy. Usually, if I've got a heavy power rod in my hand, I'm usually pretty happy because it means I'm fishing a technique that I really like or that I'm more cozy with. Um, it also probably means you're if it's not just because you have a big bait on the end, like especially flipping frogging or something like that, you're probably fishing heavy cover. Um, yeah. And a lot of that will, depending on what type of cover, will greatly uh, differ what, what, you know, size rod, not so much like power rod, but what size rod you'd want to use. Because um, like when, when I do river floats around here and we're flipping little pieces of wood for smallmouth, I may be flipping something that's 10 foot away from me or even closer. And I don't mind having a shorter rod for that, for something real right. quick. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm like, punching uh grass mats or doing some type of super heavy cover flipping where i'm soaking that bait in there a little bit then i'm going to go towards more of that like traditional longer broomstick style and uh just like you mentioned a moment ago depending on how accurate say if you're casting something you, you know, know what the say, I, I, gotta, I gotta think about a little man he's you're good you're good do your thing man right, love you buddy <laughs> night night Eight o'clock. I gotta say goodbye to connect to the little man. <laughs> yeah, go back. I'm sorry about that, buddy. Oh, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah, fl- flipping, frogging, any of that stuff. Uh, you're gonna have a heavy setup. I know when I like to frog, I'm I'm still trying to hone in on the on the my, my ideal frog rod because I do like to put my frog in more sparse cover. Right. So I need to put it closer to that target. And you'll lose accuracy if you have two step of a rod. Yeah. Um, and so, and so if, you, if accuracy is what you need, then you have to, you know, maybe consider your rod length and uh, the, the power on it um, and, and, and dial that in more. But and for yeah, the that, most part, that's why, why I went to like a medium heavy, because it was just easier for me to get better casts. I felt like it. Like, I don't know. Much. I'm just like, you just feel like the. Uh, the way things feel, I guess, is really what dictates the way I'm doing things now. But I also want to make yep. sure I'm not being, you know, reckless, uh, too, because, you know, I mean, we're talking about losing uh, big money fish here. But uh, yeah, but I just felt like, you know, like at first it felt great, you know, the, the, the heavy, you know, fishing the heavy shit and just, you know, big long casts and things like that. But 
you know, when you learn about frogs, like you could kind of figure out where the fish are by looking at the water, looking at like where the breakups are, and like, okay, there's gonna be a bass there. And so I don't know, I feel like precision like trumped power at some point. Um, and that's kind of why I went smaller to like a shorter, uh, more, uh, a smaller power, smaller action, you know, to like a, instead of like a heavy, I went to yeah. like a, a medium heavy, but fast action and just feel like it just had, I had, I had more accuracy. And then, you know, if I need to, if I need to walk it some, um, I could do that too. Cause it wasn't that stiff of a rod. Yep. yep. Um, and that's, that's kind of what dictated my decision to, to uh, go down in power, I guess. So, so like I, that's smart of you to do so. And so I would just say, yeah, go with that. And if anything, go as light as you can get away with before right. it's, it bites you that like, oh, that wasn't a heavy enough, whatever the reason is, whether you didn't muscle that fish out of some vegetation or uh, maybe the rod broke, like there's too much resistance, like whatever you can get away with, then yeah, getting that like feel and accuracy, that's that's valuable. The he- the heavy power line and rod is only there so you can muscle them muscle once they're hooked. Like Pete, right. a lot of a lot of new newcomers especially don't understand like when you hear 65 pound line, it's like, well, you're never going to catch a bass that big. Yeah, you're not talking about how the fish hangs off of the line dead hanging over the boat like as you're hanging in the middle of the air, you know what I mean? Like you're talking about how much power goes into that split second when the the hook is set or when that bass has you know, 20 pounds of vegetation uh, buried up in it with the hook set too. That's when like heavier line serves its purpose. Right. Well, that's just about, about line. We're talking about like, you know, fishing like the you know, thick stuff, flipping or frogging. Uh, you know, I, I've read anything from 40 to 80 pound, uh, you know, test, uh, you know, break. Obviously like we're done with fluoro. We're going uh, straight braid okay. at this point. Uh, they're talking, you know, 40 to 80 uh, you know, I like to sit somewhere with, you know, with, with a flipping, I like to do 65. I don't know why it just seems to be the magic number, uh, with frogging. I've, I've gone smaller to more of like anywhere between like 40 and fit, like, you know, 40 or 50 is what I'll use for uh, frogging now. Um, and granted, it's just based off things I've read, uh, you know, the way thing, you know, way it cuts through grass, you know, what are your thoughts on like the, uh, the heavier lines, you know, what are you my, using for flipping and frogging? My, my, my opinions on braid are more simplified and I think they're more, permanent and uh, it'll take more to talk me out of them um to me there's two types of braid uh that that i'll i'll use i'll use uh there man there's a term for this i'm forgetting it i'll remember it after this podcast but depending on how many strands are in each type of braid will uh affect the uh, how that braid operates currently a lot of the popular braids that are out there on the market and a lot of the better ones a lot of the higher end ones um brands are putting out one that has a higher thread count wrap. So for example, like I want to say Berkeley has their X nine braid, meaning it has nine wraps. And I think they have one that's like an X four X five, something like that. So it's essentially about half of the wraps. Well, a, a line with more wraps a braid with more wraps in it, more threads in it is going to be silkier. Um, but it will also wear out quicker. Whereas uh, less, threads stronger but not as smooth Uh, a smoother braid is going to cast better it's going to cast further um and it's going to be a little thinner too i believe uh thicker braid uh you're just going to feel it more so i use those braids with uh less threads for frogging and punching and it's almost exclusively 65 pound um any of the thinner braids uh, when I say thinner, the, the higher uh, wrap counts, 
I use that for my top water. Um, a lot of top water fishing, you'll make a super long cast, especially like spook fishing, whopper plopper. You're bombing a cast a lot of the time. That uh, thin wire will uh, come off of the spool great. Um, some of them, uh, it seems like some are getting away from it. Some brands are getting away from it, have a lot of wax uh, coated stuff. Uh, that seems to be getting better. A lot of that wax coated stuff would wear off and uh, the, the, some of the line will lose its luster, lose its uh, functionality, depending on who you talk to. Um, but I'll use anywhere from 20 to 50 pound on my, on my, uh, you know, standard top water. And I'll usually do like a, a 20 pound mono liter on most of my top water. Uh, and why, then, why, are using, why are you using the mono on the top water now? Why are you using a liter on top water? It's a short one. It's using only a two foot mono liter, but it's mostly for shock absorption. Um, and it's a little bit of visibility enhancement. Like if, you know, if that lure lands right on top of the fish's head, it's, it may not see that braid right there associated with the lure. It's mostly for shock absorption um, so that I won't bend out hooks or uh, swivels on the lure. Because uh, when I'm thinking, when I'm thinking uh, topwater fishing like that, at least with my medium heavy fast action topwater rod, like that's going to cover everything. I can throw a plopper or a buzz bait. Uh, on the exact same uh, braid to mono setup, and that'll cover pretty much all my top water minus maybe like a buzz toad or something. But then we're getting into like grass fishing again, essentially, you know. Okay, so that's, that's crazy. So not all braid is created equally. No, not at all. Um, but then again, like, and I'll tell you this much too: um, the if you, the, you can get away with using a lot of 40 and 50 pound braid in a lot of grass situations where people would typically say use 65 pound. Um, but here's where it will come back to hurt you. Whereas normally one of the benefits of having braid on your spool is that you can leave it on there for a long time and use it for a, a very long time, but sometimes the entire season. Um, the, when you get into lower pound test braid, it will wear out quicker than the higher pound stuff. So you have to replace it more often. I lost a KBF tournament a few years back, I was on a frogging pattern and I was lazy and I had 50 pound braid that was old on there. And I broke off three fish that would have won the tournament for me because I didn't put 65 pound braid on there. And I'm confident I wouldn't have broken off because I've never broken off in, you know, frog grass fishing before or before or after that day. And so it's, it's nice to use the thinner braid when you can. Uh, but it, you, you'll just have to keep an eye on it more than you would that 65 pound. I, dude, I, I can, leave, I can put some 65 pound braid on there, like not even have to worry about it for a whole season, pretty much. Right. Yeah. But then again, in Tennessee, I'm not fishing grass. That's what we have the least of here, is like a lot of thick grass and stuff. You get down to Alabama, Florida, those guys, I'm sure, go through their braid a lot quicker than what I do. Right. Yeah, it's weird that where you're at. Because it's like up north we got a lot of grass, down south we got a grass, and then you guys just don't have the same. I mean, we you can go and fish it. There's a, there's places here to fish it, but as the most of the places I fish and most of like what the state of Tennessee has, mm-hmm. a lot more Highland Reservoir, uh, you know, Tennessee River that runs through like Tennessee River. Depending on what impoundment you're talking about, it there's parts of the year where it's all grass and then it's no grass. So there's a lot of seasonal grass here. Uh, we don't have, man, Gunnersville is about the only lake I can think of where I, that's like a true tried and true grass lake year round that I can run and fish in a day. Right. And I really don't. Okay. All right. So you're flipping, you're flipping rod. Uh, 
nothing, nothing fancy with that, right? That, that that is straight braid, right? Uh, no, I'll I typically will flip uh 22. I I I forget which type of Sunline it is, but I tried their 22 pound. Yeah, I, I'll flip 20 pound uh, frequently too. Um, but if I'm heavy cover flipping, uh, like flipping cypress trees or flipping like big laydowns or something, I like that 22 pound. Um, I haven't had any issues with it. Um, most other times I'm flipping, I'm using 20 pound fluorocarbon. Um, the only, again, the only time I use straight braid flipping is heavy, is if, heavy fish if, if I'm punching, yeah. If but I'm punching or, you know, or straight, yeah, straight, straight braid flipping you know, too. But. I don't ever call it punching anymore. I don't know why, but that's when I say, when I, when I, when I, when I flip, that means I'm flipping in heavy vegetation. It's pretty much punching. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh so yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, Dude, if you're fishing straight, if you're fishing a grass fishery, like, and you're fishing in the grass, you're a fisher in the grass, not on the side of the grass, but in the grass, you can absolutely use straight braid no matter what the technique is. All right. Well, you know, being kayak anglers, and you know, we're uh, we're limited to, uh, you know, how many rods and things we can take out there. Like, you gotta be very specific. Like, what what is you what do you like as far as, um, you know, I know you travel a lot. I mean, are you traveling with like 30 different setups and then deciding what setup you want to use as you're pre-fishing? Um, you know, because like, I mean, like me, like I, I'm really this year because of what happened last year, I'm downsizing like six to eight rods. You know, two to three techniques per rod. That's it make it work. Uh, there might be some things I changed. I might actually have more reels now where like, you know, if I need to switch reels out, I can do that. So I might have like, you know, three or four different reels that are, that are extra in, you know, in my arsenal. But as far yeah. as, you yeah. know, you know, what I'm doing with the rods and everything, like I'm not, I'm not traveling like I did in the past with like a shit ton of, uh, you know, a shit ton of like, what are you doing? Cause it's, cause it's, you have so many different, I guess the reason I'm asking is cause you have so many different tie-ups I see compared to me where I don't, I don't use all these different, um, you know, my, my shit's simple. Some are straight braids, some are uh, straight fluoro, and then like my, uh, you know, my finesse, I have I have some leaders tied on. So it's not it's, it's oh. not as uh, whatever complicated as yours is. Unfortunately, my collection keeps growing um, as time goes on. And I'll tell you this though, I've never owned a high end rod. I've only owned low tier and mid tier rods. Hopefully, going to change that soon. Here, I'm waiting on a dugout to. Uh, get a few 2021 orders in, and then I'm going to uh, spend a few paychecks down there. I got a feeling um, on some nicer stuff. Um, but so I've never, I've never had like the nice stuff. I can't, the way I travel with my stuff in, in the back of my right. truck, it gets beat up too bad. Um, I'm literally going to have to buy uh, some kind of rod storage uh, thing for uh, when I do get some nicer rods. Cause they, I just won't put them through the abuse that I do now. Um, I think I, I think if I were to leave like for a Hobie tournament tomorrow, I would take all my rods and all my reels and I would probably have somewhere between 15 and 20 rods. And, you know, uh, when I'll leave out for a practice day, I'll start out with eight and then you're hoping by tournament day, you're down to three to six of them, you know, something like that. And you're probably only going to use maybe two or three of them at the most come tournament day. That's, that's pretty standard. That's pretty typical. Um, but dude, those numbers are going to change on who you talk to you. I had, I had to borrow something from Russ a couple nights ago. So I was standing in his garage and while we're standing in his garage, I'm looking up and I'm counting all his rods that he has like laid up, uh, across a, a cross beam. And I think I counted over 40 and those are just the ones that I saw like at a glance. So it, I think the longer you're into fishing, the more of everything you have tackle lures, rods, reels, like 
you, you, even if you're pretty good about turning over stuff, you're still going to accumulate. And yeah. boy, do I have some accumulation and uh, I'm sure it will only continue that way. Oh, cool. Well, before we, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up here soon, but like, if you like, just, just for someone who's like, this is their first, second year, you know, doing this and yeah. they're, they're tournaments, how would you break down the rod to line match? You know, cause I, that's what I'm really trying to get. I don't know if I did a good job this episode. That's really, I, I, I want to know what people are using. But I'm more interested right now. For me, it's for selfish reasons as on uh, lines. But how would you break it up? Because like, what we talked about can get very – like it's a lot of shit to think about. But just yeah. just, just someone who – there's a second year. They got their uh, – you know, they finally got their first native. They, they got rid of their ascent. Yeah. Um, they, they got a few rods. How should they uh, go about you know, matching things up? And, and what, what, what would you see like a basic thing if you had to go back to just basics? Man, I, I really do encourage the idea of just using braid to fluorocarbon. If you don't like those knots, if you don't like tying them, or if you had uh, uh, issues with that, get better at that. It will be worth your while to become good at tying a knot. Pick the knot you want to use. Like As long as it works, it works. That's all that matters. Um, figure out what what you like, but really you'll save so much money. You can just retie a leader and it's completely changed what you're fishing and still use the exact same rod and reel you were just using. If you get like a seven speed reel and a seven to a seven foot three medium heavy rod and put 40 pound braid on it and buy a few spools of fluorocarbon, if you buy 10, 15 and 20 pound fluorocarbon, and have like a 40 pound uh, uh, braid on on a seven speed rod and a medium heavy rod. That right there will open up more stuff for you to fish than just about anything. And then grab a, a spinning reel and put anywhere from 10 to 20 pound braid on it. And then buy a spool of eight pound fluorocarbon to add that to those other three spools I just said. So now you have four spools of fluorocarbon and two spools of braid. So that's six spools. That's, that's going to be all you need to fish countless techniques. And, you know, you can, you can add a couple of those same identical bait casters or maybe have like two or three of those medium heavies, just identical setups. And then maybe have one that's just a medium and one that's just a heavy I think that adds up to like five bait casting rods and one spinning rod. And that's years of fishing right there that you won't need anything else except for that. And you'll be able to accomplish 99% of any type of fishing technique that you need to do. It may not be ideal, but it'll get it done. It'll get done on a budget and you will still be able to learn a lot and not feel like you're wasting your time on uh, different techniques that, that will, will cover just about everything in my opinion because that's what i did like pretty much that exact same uh lineup is what i used for years in california and on pickwick uh, when i was learning fishing regularly all the time by myself just just basically guessing you know figure figuring it out and that'll get it done uh, i'll vouch for those all right well good to go uh, i just want to talk about one more thing um it's uh the end of the season we're getting ready for 2021 what are you looking to do? Like the schedules are awesome. Um, like I, I'm, I'm really happy about next season. Um, I'm actually going to do Hobie next year. I'm very excited. Good. Uh, Hell yeah. Good. So, uh, but what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it, you, you've had a decent, you had a decent year this year. Looking at two, you know, 2021, the, the schedules are out. What do you think? 
Hobie schedules by far the best uh, kayak schedule that's been made yet, no doubt. Yeah. Um, man, if it, in, in my perfect world, I fish all of them. I still don't know what my work situation is going to be coming into next year, so it makes it hard for me to say 100% which ones I want to go to. Um, when they first released the schedule, Sam Rayburn was – uh, that's been a destiny fishery for me. So I guess that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Um, man, the rest of them are all pretty much e- even killed. Uh, I just got to see which ones I want to uh, get back in each one of them. There's a different reason I want to go to like, I want vengeance and Seminole. I want to check out new and unknown stuff at broken bow. I want a trophy chase at Rayburn. Uh, I, I want to go and fish my home waters at Pickwick. So like each one of them is a completely different motivation. And, um, you know, there's new places and returning to places and, uh, I'll be happy to fish all of them and I will try to fish as many as possible. Um, the KBF schedule, I think right now that Pickwick one, um, in late March is the only one I know of, but that's also one of the best dates and best venues of the, of all the schedules released all year so far. Uh, trust me when I say that week on Pickwick is the week you want to be there. Yeah, I'm um, really, really doing that one. I haven't decided. If, I haven't, haven't, um, because of the COVID, I haven't like, uh, decided that I'm definitely going to do that. I'm just seeing how things play out. But barring, I've got maps and everything and I'm looking at, I'm looking like I'm going to do it. Yeah. Barring some like really bad rain, which that is the time when that rain can happen. Like as long as the water levels don't get really messed up. Um, that's going to be one of your tournaments it's of, of the kayak season that's going to kick out some of the biggest fish. I mean, the whole schedule is that way, dude. Like, whether it's like the the early year stuff, like, uh, you know, down south, Florida, Texas, like the, the schedule is just so good. Um, I'm just going to fish as much of it as possible. And you know what? Uh, regionally, we're, I think we're going to stay pretty busy, too. Uh, the dugout series, uh, both the monthly and uh, – then some of the bass like state stuff like has been uh, keeping us fairly busy and giving us some stuff to look forward to here, even before some of like the Hobies really kicks off. Um, so th- that's been kind of cool. Uh, they just announced, uh, I think last night that uh, we're going to, uh, the dugout series is going to go to Lake Chatoog. So um, I'm going to try to qualify for that. So there's, there's no shortage of stuff, man. And then you've got all your club events that, uh, can fill up every other open weekend if you want. So we're, we're spoiled down here in Tennessee, man. It's literally just like come like Wednesday or Thursday. I'm usually texting my buddies that are texting me. Hey, where are we fishing this weekend? Is there a tournament? Okay. Let's go like that. Dude, that's, that's the norm around here, man. That's how we do. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming to the show. Um, Christmas is coming up. Hope you have a good Christmas, good holidays, all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, I'll talk to you sometime in the, uh, actually, is there anyone you want to thank? I don't know. It's the end of the year. I don't know if you got any new people in your, your, uh, and your crew or whatever that you wanted to uh, thank for. Man, I guess, I, I guess since the last time I talked to you, I don't know that I was with uh, Dugout last time. No, I don't even know who Dugout – I, I just I, – I see them all, up, all over the place. I don't know who they are yet. So Yeah, D- yeah. Dugout Bait and Tackle down there in Marietta, Georgia. Um, it, man, it's more than just a tackle shop. Uh, the, the, the team that they've assembled, their staff, uh, the reputation and their longevity in the bass fishing industry, um, you know, far, far predating uh, any kayak and stuff like – um, their reputation just speaks for themselves and, uh, uh just excited to, uh, partner up with them. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the works that I can't speak to right now, but, uh, you're going to see a lot of the, the leading kayak industry stuff, um, happen and pioneer and kick off, uh, uh, through the dugout 
the bait and tackle and through a lot of their teams. So uh, just keep an eye out on them. And uh, I believe in just a few weeks, they've got all the 2021 Hobies coming in. Uh, I'll be one of the first in line to scoop one of those up whenever those arrive too. So uh, dug out bait and tackle. So I'm going to uh, say, keep an eye on them uh, during this off season. They've got some really cool stuff uh, in the works. It's going to surprise some people here soon in a good way. Oh, cool, man. Well, have a good Christmas, good holidays, and I'm sure I'll talk to you sometime next next year. Thank you, buddy. Always happy talking with you. All right, man. Have a good one. See you, boss.